All right. Um, th this verse is so powerful. There's so much here. It would just take weeks just to cover just this verse. But I'm just going to use it to kind of set the tone for what we're going to talk about today. Uh, the subject or the, the, the topic of the message is looking for Jesus. Looking for Jesus. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, notice it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How do you get more peace? Not by supporting the UN. Not militarily or anything. You get it through the knowledge of God, of Jesus Christ. You want more grace? Oh, I, I like grace. <laughs> I need a lot. And he says, I can multiply that to you through, what? The knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. Then in verse number three, he goes even deeper and he says, according as his divine power hath given unto us, what? What's your Bible say? All things. Now, he specifies what he's talking about here. He says, all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. We, we want to know how to function in life. We want to know what to do about this and what to do about this and, and how to live a godly, how to live a righteous life, how to please our Savior. And he says, with this or through this, I will give you all things, everything you need that has to do with life and godliness. Now, how do you get that? Continue on with verse. He says, through the what? Knowledge of him that has called us into glory. In Hebrews chapter 1, I'm, I'm enjoying this study so much, and we've only preached one message on it on Wednesday night. Be back here for the second half of verse number 2 on Wednesday. But it says in verse number 3, chapter 1, verse 3 in Hebrews, it says, it tells us that Jesus is the expressed image of his person. Okay? Jesus Christ is the very essence. It is the express, the expression of who God is. And, and as believers, we want to know God. And we want to be as close to God as we possibly can. So in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 9, Philip, when he's talking to Jesus and he says, uh, show us the Father. And Jesus in verse number 9 says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of the generation of Jesus. I'm, I'm waiting for you to get there. The book of the generation of Jesus. Now, I, I read through my Bible every year. I know a lot of you do. But it's easy to read and not get anything out of it. 
as you've got up and you've read it and you jump in your pickup or your car, you're going to run to work. And on the way to work, you couldn't remember what you even read or what chapter or what book you was in. Anybody ever been there? I mean, oh, and it's frustrating. You say, boy, am I such a heathen? Well, not necessarily. I would rather you use this type of study that I'm going to show you than reading through your Bible in a year and not getting anything out of it. Now, I do both. I read it several times through the year, but I also do this type of study looking for Jesus. Because if you want to see God, you have to look for Jesus. Now, how many of you found your place in the book of the generation of Jesus? Any of you? A couple of you. Okay. Now, the rest of you turn to Matthew chapter 1. <laughs> Matthew chapter 1. Now, you say, why in the world did you say this? Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. What's it say? The book of Matthew? No. Matthew's just the man that wrote it, and they put that on there. The title of the book, if you first just start out, it's the book of the generation of who? Jesus Christ. That's the title of the book that God gave it. That's the title of the book that Matthew, that God had Matthew write down. So what we want to do is look in verses 1 and 2. That's, we're just going to go a short distance and we may not get there either. But we're going to go as far as we can. The book, no, chapter 1 in the book of Matthew, verse number 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Now, what we're going to do and what, what I'm encouraging you to do is to look for Jesus. If you'll take one of the Gospels and you will start looking for Jesus, okay? Get your notebook, computer, whatever you want to do, whatever you got. And, and you've taken notes. When you find Jesus, when he's referred to or talked about here, you take notes and you say, what is it saying about Jesus? What is he doing? What is he saying? What is his response to what this other guy said? How did he handle this? Was judgment there? All of these, just start asking yourself about a thousand questions about what it's, what is it saying? When you see Jesus, you will have the mind of God. You will see the mind of God. This, this book, no, verse number one is so powerful. And many people, they just read it and they think, well, that's all just genealogy. And they throw that out and say, okay, let's get to the, good, to the meat. What he has done here in verse number one is he has claimed to be the Messiah. 
from the very beginning, he is establishing, and he's writing this to the Jewish Christians, to the Jews, and he is establishing that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Messiah. That's why it says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ established who he's talking about. And he says, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That, those phrases, the son of David or the son of Abraham has been used all the way through the Old Testament. When you talked about anybody and, and said, used the phrase, the son of David, you were calling him the Messiah. When so many of the prophecies that they prophesied, when he used the term son of David or son of Abraham, that is the same term, the same phraseology they are claiming to be the Messiah. So he starts it out immediately with the, the claim that Jesus is the Messiah. Boy, you could, you could just sit there in your chair for, for about two hours meditating on that one and never come to an end. I mean, there is so much meat in just that, that first phrase. It's not just a genealogy. The genealogy doesn't start until verse number two. Because notice it says, now Abraham begat, and so-and-so begat, and so-and-so begat, all the way down through. But... The first verse, he simply says, Jesus was the son of David. He's the Messiah. The son of Abraham. He's the Messiah. It's like, a, like bold type when you're uh, texting somebody. You're shouting at them. And that's the very first thing he established. He is the Messiah. But this, he noticed, he said, the generation of Jesus Christ. What he has here, this is the testimony of the human generation of Jesus Christ. And that's why in verse number two, he starts out with the, the genealogy of, of uh, Joseph, his father, earthly father. The book of Matthew, what he's saying here about Jesus is this whole book. It's about his birth. It's about his upbringing. It's about his actions. It's about his teachings, his conversations that he had, his challenges and, and, and opposition, his temptations, his sufferings, his persecution, his death, burial, resurrection, and his claim to be the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Nine times in the book of Matthew, he mentions that he is the Son of God. There's, there's a lot that we can, we can look at here, but just, you know, for the sake of time, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Hold your place in, in Matthew but go to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 3. I didn't put this in on the, the uh, slides up there. But it says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So 
Even in Romans, this is one of the things that he establishes. He's of the seed of David, according to the flesh. His genealogy is fleshly genealogy. Uh, look over in uh, Hebrews chapter 2. In book of Hebrews chapter 2. If you get there before I do, start without me. In Hebrews chapter 2, look with me in verse 16. He said, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. So over and over, whether it's Old Testament or New, he establishes and he's claiming that he is the very Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and all of the book of Matthew here is about his human genealogy. You get to John and it's all about his deity. But here in Matthew, it's about his human uh, generation. Now, this tells us that he is the promised one. It's synonymous with the Messiah here. Uh, through David, in Jeremiah chapter 23... And verse number five, the Bible says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. That prophecy of the son of David, that through David, through his fleshly uh, or earthly heritage, would come forth the Messiah. The same thing is going to come through Abraham in Genesis 22 and 18. He says, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because, now notice this, because ye have obeyed my voice. God said that not only David, through his heritage, would the Messiah come, but through Abraham, his Messiah, the, the Messiah would come through him, and all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Okay? Now, I'm doing this study. I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking at verse number one and verse number two, and, and just that's as far as I got, and it's talking about Jesus so I'm asking myself, what does it say? Why is he saying these things? And as I ask myself these questions, I start trying to, uh, to run down maybe a verse here or that'll bring something to mind over here or, or God will say, okay, how about this? Or, or, and you begin to write these notes down. And one of the things I saw as I'm looking at this, Jesus was going to be the Messiah, the son of Abraham, that promised seed. Why? How did he get there? Abraham was a lost heathen idol worshiper. No, no concern for God at all. And God comes to Abram and says, Abram, I want 
use you. <laughs> he said, I want you to get away from your kindred. I want to get, get out of your country. I want to send you to a place and I'm going to establish a kingdom. And, you're, it, and he said, and through you, all of the earth, all the nation of the earth is going to be blessed. What does he say in the finish of the verse? He says, because of your obedience. If you obey me, I'm going to do great things. I'm thinking to myself, wow. Would I like to be used like, a, like Abraham was. How would God ever do that? You ever ask yourself, how would God ever use you? The exact same way that he would use a lost, idolatrous, heathen called Abram. He said, it's by obedience. I've had people come up to, to me and say, boy, we wish we had stories like you had going in the pygmy camps and, and being in the war and all this, that, and the other. And, and I got to thinking, you know, it's an interesting thing. Heritage and, and thinking about what this is teaching us. Heritage is important. My, I, I was raised in a, quote, Christian home. Okay? I was a lost, wicked old drunk. And God saved my wretched soul. And I made a decision I can take you to the very day, the very place. I went around the side of the altar and I knelt there in Bethel Baptist Church in Rota, Spain. And I made a decision that I was just going to obey God no matter what. He had, I, I gave him my wife. I gave him my children. Uh, whatever finances I had or didn't have. <laughs> everything I had, I gave him my career and everything. And you know what? He took it all. He took it all. And as I began to think through this verse and I went back and I said, okay, God, that day I chose to obey you. Just simply obey you. We choose to obey or disobey God every day. God tells us to do something. We either do it or we don't. But I got to thinking about this and I looked back and from that point, the hundreds of people that has received Christ as their Savior. Hundreds. And then I got to thinking all of my children Are serving God. They're saved. They're serving the Lord. They love God. Now my grandchildren 
are serving the Lord. And I think about my children, that, that their lives and how God has worked in their lives and the hundreds, literally hundreds in every one of their, their lives that they've brought to Jesus Christ. Hundreds. You know how? Obedience. And then in their ministries, how many of the, the, the many that have surrendered to full-time service and are, and are out there pastoring churches and the multitudes that are getting saved through that and the missionaries that are going out from all these different churches I think of Ray Ronk, one of my deacons, he, he's down in Brazil, and, and, and Dana, he's a missionary in New York City, and, and just one church after another, one missionary after another, and you begin to multiply this and multiply this, and now they're sending people out, and, and in the college ministry, and hundreds of people surrender and, and get to the mission field and get into pastorates and go out soul winning, and I think, what if I would not have been obedient? Obedience is the key here. And it all starts with Jesus. Obedience to him. Obe simple, simple obedience, whatever God says. You don't see it right now. 50 years ago, I didn't see it either. But simply by an act of obedience, I can now look back and see what that one act of obedience has done. All of this, just beginning in, in just this verse number one. There's so much when you stop and think about Jesus. What, what, what does it tell us? I mean, we could, we could go through Isaac and, and he said, and God said to Abraham, let it be great, not grievous in thy sight because of the lad, but by, or because of the bondwomen. And all that Sarah said unto thee, hearken unto her voice for in Isaac, shall thy seed be called. Because of his obedience, now God promises through his son, Isaac. He said through Jacob. And you, the same thing over and over in Numbers. We could go read all these verses. We, we're just not going to have time. The scepter is going to rise up out of Israel. Son after son after son after son. Do you realize how important heritage is? Our families are extremely important. Our children watching us make decisions. Now, I hope I don't step on your toes. No, I do. I hope I step on your toes. It's always been a pet peeve of mine. When I was growing up and my, my parents, my, my buddies, they, I mean, Folks took us to church, but my other cousins and everything, they'd, they'd not go to church because they'd get to go to a rodeo. I mean, we was big in rodeos. We thought that was great, but 
my folks wouldn't let me go. Well, Jack ended up killing himself and, and Jill, that's actually her sister, uh, just bottom. Why? Mom and dad's made a decision back there. Church wasn't worth it. We make decisions all the time. We'll take our kids to baseball games and show them that baseball and sports is more important than God. Hello? I'm talking about heritage. Making a decision to be obedient no matter what. And this is what he said. Because, Abraham, because you were obedient, I'm going to bless your child. I'm going to bless your grandchild. I'm going to bless your great-grandchild. I'm going to bless your great-great-grandchild. And in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That little aspect of obedience, it's on the end of the verse where God says, I'm going to make the son of Abraham the Messiah to save the world. But it finishes that verse by saying, because of his obedience. And so as we start looking for Jesus, you know what he wants? He wants us to have a good heritage. And how does that come? By obedience. We lay home from church when we know we're supposed to be in the house of God. Now, I know you might be dead, dying, or providentially hindered. I know there's, there's things. You, some people have to work sometimes. I understand that. But if you're not dead, dying, or providentially hindered, you ought to be in the house of God. Why? Because you're building a godly heritage. You are teaching your children that no matter whether it's a good, sunny, beautiful day or if it's raining or if it's snowing or hailing, we're going to church. And through that obedience, they're going to see something different in you. Brother Greg brought a good devotion yesterday at the Wiser Society. And one after the other, he's enlisting kings and what, you know, how they followed, their kids followed and all this, that, and the other. Those children followed the leadership of their fathers, some good, some bad. Heritage. When you find out about Jesus, he said, I've written a whole book about my heritage here. And I want you to have a good heritage. I want you to have a good lineage. I want you to make the decisions that you need to make based on me. I'm first. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. I am the important one. That's why I'm writing all of this to you. So that you can do Make those decisions that please me. In my devotion, I have a, a whole sheet that I, every day 
missionaries, family, y'all. I got all your names in my, my prayer book and, and I pray for you. But up up top, I say, what's the will of God today for me? And then next to that, I say, what does you, do you want me to do that will please you today? I want to have a godly heritage. My grandchildren, I mean, that tall drink of water, Shane, I mean, he just... I want him to have a godly heritage. So I won't do things. I will do things. And I, I make sure I do things simply because I want him to see grandpa. I want him to see, see grandpa at soul winning when the church goes out. Why? Because I want him to know that souls are important to me and they're important to Jesus Christ. I want him to see me in church, whether I'm sick, dead, dying. Why? Because I want my grandchildren to see how important God is. You say, would you do that? I preached with, in, with malaria. I mean, I'd be dying from malaria. And I'd, I'd go preach. Now, it might not have been a hot message, but <laughs> I was hot, I'll tell you. Do your children really see you can tell them you know your words go about as far as you do you can tell them you love God and that he's first place but when you you skip that to go to a concert or a ball game or whatever it might be what are you telling your children what are you telling your grandchildren? That there's something more important than Jesus. And I don't want my kids to think anything is more important than Jesus. I want my grandkids. I've got great, great ones. And now we're going to have another one. Amen. I want my great grandchildren. To know that Jesus is the most important thing ever. More important than my wife. More important than they are. Most important thing in the world. And by passing that heritage on through obedience. God is going to do something. I can lay my head down on my pillow. I don't have to worry about it. I don't, I know what Keith's going to be doing. He'll be out there in the village. I, I, I know what Alicia's going to be doing. I know where they're going to be. I know what, you know, you don't have to worry because that godly heritage and it comes through that obedience. Be careful of every decision you make in the day. Every decision you make each week, what are you doing? You're building or destroying a godly heritage. And this whole book, as he starts out in that verse number one, the whole book is about the heritage of Jesus. About that godly seed 
And that's why he says, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he gets into the genealogies and goes through a lot of things. So what, what does it tell us? Well, it tells us it's all about Jesus. Everything he's talking about, it's all about Jesus. He is 100% man. That's why in, in Matthew, he lays this out. Luke lays it out uh, uh, quite a bit as well about the humanity of Jesus. He is 100% man. Now, what does that tell me? He knows what I'm going through. People always say, you know, nobody knows, nobody understands. Yes, he does. How can I bring my problems to him? Because he was 100% man. He understands everything I'm going through. And as you just start thinking through that, he submitted to his parents and their authority, even though he was God. He said he went down and was subject unto them. He got hungry. He got tired. He got thirsty, just like we do. He was tempted like we do. Except he just, he held the line. We tend to fall. He feels pain emotionally. He, he wept. He was, he was angry. He was joyous. He got frustrated, frustrated with the Jews. He, he, he'd preach his word and, and, and he'd, he said he, he was so frustrated because they knew the right answer, but they wouldn't, wouldn't answer. He knows what that's like. To be abandoned, to be rejected, to be lied about, to be hated. All of these things are in Matthew. He, he, he knew what it like to, to suffer physical pain. He was scourged. He was, he was beaten. He, wherever he went, he walked and walked through the rocks and all of this, that, and the other, and long journeys and hot and dusty. And he knew what it why he needed to pray to communicate with the father. He spent a lot of time, if you'll notice in the book of Matthew, he spent a lot of time in the house of God, in the synagogues. Sometimes teaching and preaching, sometimes listening. He knew the scriptures. It's important that we know the scriptures. Heritage is important. We, we affect others. We sit down and think through your heritage. What have you got behind you? What, have you? what have you done in the past? What's your heritage? And then say, okay, where am I going? And it'll depend on your decision that you make. You can change your heritage. You can, you can change where you're going. You can change your children, your grandchildren by the decisions and obedience from this point on. God wants us to know thee as a plan. As I looked at those two verses, I, I can see it immediately God has a plan. And his plan's not like ours. Our plan is for this long. Say 60, 70, 80 years, 90 years, whatever. But it's in this out, that's all farther our plan usually goes. 
But God doesn't do that. And when he talks about Jesus, this is a far-reaching plan. You go back 7,000 years, all the way back to, to, to when God created the heavens and the earth, and he puts in a plan, Adam and Eve, created them, he had a plan for them, they fall, they fail, they sin. God, in Genesis 3.15, devises a plan. He said, so I'm going to send a redeemer to save you from your sin. And he begins to work this plan. How long did it take him to, to fulfill that one little plan? 7,000 years. When Jesus Christ comes and dies on the cross. What does that tell me about Jesus? What does it tell me about God? He's not in a big hurry. We're the ones that are impatient. We want everything now. We want to look at our heritage now and say, boy, this is, I'm going to have a wonderful heritage. No, 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 no. I haven't been able to do this until I looked back 50 years. And now I can see what God has done. But when Abraham was back here and when I was back here and I made that decision, I'm going to serve God. I didn't know all of what was going to take place. I never thought I'd ever be in Africa. I couldn't remember a Kansas boy leaving anything in Africa to go find. I just wasn't in my thinking. But God had it all in his plan. And by being obedient, I fall in line with God's plan. When I'm disobedient, I am fighting against God's plan and now there's some other thing going to have to get and, and be rectified for me to get back to and in the center of God's plan. So if we would learn simply from this first, first two verses that God has a plan, he has a plan for my life, he has a plan for your life. He knows what you go through, he knows what I go through. It's all it's all worked out. It's a beautiful, beautiful plan. He wants us to know that he has sent his Messiah, Jesus Christ. He wants us to know that he is that Messiah. There's no question. Um, I remember John, John the Baptist in the prison, and he sent his people, said, uh, go ask Jesus if he really is the one. No, he said, I want you to know with any, no doubt whatsoever in your mind, I am the Messiah. You can trust in me. He wants us to know about his love for man. He didn't have to do that. When, when he, God created us, he could have just absolutely, when we messed up, he could have just squashed us like a bug. But he didn't. You see the heart of God here. The very heartbeat of God. His love for us. His love for sinners. 
And the whole Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation is God trying to bring lost sinners back to himself so he can save them. No one goes to heaven because of them. They go to heaven because of Jesus. But no one goes to hell because of Jesus. You go to hell because you choose to go to hell. Why? He's done all he can. He, saw, he died on the cross. He gave his son. He paid for all your sins. If you don't want somebody to pay your electric bill, you don't have to let them. You can reject their payment. And there's so many people that are religious going through life, just living their life any way they want to, and, and they think that someday they're just going to walk into heaven. Jesus is going to say, boy, we are so glad to have you on our team. No, you wouldn't live for God the whole time you was here. You, 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 you rejected his plan of salvation. You want to do something to get saved yourself. It's not going to work. It is not going to work. And he's trying to show us through this, this book his love for you and me. His love for, for souls. Get the mind of Christ, the mind of God. The whole book is about bringing lost people to Christ. When you find out about Jesus, when you see Jesus, you'll see the Father. So I challenge you, begin reading one of the Gospels. Just pick one of them out and just start verse number one. And you don't have to go through all the names in the genealogy. Go on down to maybe verse 18 where it talks about his birth and see what it actually says and just work your way through a chapter. Then go ahead and do that same thing. And as you're taking notes, you will, you will come to the end of that chapter or the end of another chapter or the end of the book when you finish. And you pull all these thoughts together and you say, okay, now what does it say about God? Because when you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. He is the very essence of who God is. You want to have all things that pertain to life and godliness? It comes through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, have your will, have your way in this uh, service and the rest of the the day and all the activities, we pray that you would exalt yourself. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.